0: Dear listener, this is Interfaith-ish. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and every other Wednesday right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. Dear listener, this week I headed to downtown DC to visit some folks involved with an intentional living project called Abrahamic House. The project brings together young people of different religious traditions to live together for a year and provide a space to learn from one another about their traditions and also create public programming for others to do the same. Sounds pretty cool, right? The project is the brainchild of Muhammad al-Samawi, an interfaith activist and Yemeni refugee. You may have heard of Muhammad because he's also the author of the best-selling memoir The Fox Hunt which was published in 2018 and is now in development as a feature film with Steven Spielberg. Mohamed invited me to join him at the Abrahamic House to learn about the origins of this unique program and meet a couple of the fellows, Kelly Moulton and Abby Shulman. Together, Mohammed, Kelly, Abby, and I discussed how the TV show Friends inspired the project, what the biggest point of tension is between these new roommates, and how they're living out the house motto of gathering, not othering. I also realized after the fact that even though we didn't record in our Tacoma Radio studio, this was actually the first in-person interview I've conducted for this show in over a year. So that was pretty special. I hope you enjoyed this in-person, in-the-house, interfaith-ish.
1: Abby well, is Hello! Good. How We're are you doing? weekly right Perfect. now. Perfect. So, like, can we enter? Yeah,
2: come in. Alright, well, cool. Nice Hi, good to meet I'm you.
0: Hi, I'm Jack. How are you doing? Good. Thanks All for right. having me.
2: Right. it's kind of a mess. I meant to hastily clean up. <laughs> and then it's a I live house. That's I the I way it. it goes. It's cool. If you don't it's mind, both it we cool. no you take after No
0: problem. No problem.
1: So welcome to Abrahamic
0: house. This is so great. Thank it's you. so great. It's such a classic D.C. row house, yeah. group and house. You know, they did like
1: their own personal thing. You can see here. It's
0: did the they bring team. all the decorations, or did you set up the? So I'm the one who did that. Oh, very cool. Um, nice representation.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Where did you Where did you um, pull all the artwork from?
1: Some of the internet, some of the people that I know, they do some art, so I asked them if I can take their art like, uh-huh. to be in the So you can see here, like, you know, from the, the high faith, the uh, Jewish faith, Muslim, Christian, and even like, you know, others just like trying yeah. to represent everything.
0: No, that's great. That's, that's, that's very cool to have the artistic representation there. You got some collages and, yeah. and some photos. and some illustrations it looks like yeah that's that's wonderful
1: that's wonderful
0: it's nice for them to be able to move in right away and have have artwork up right
1: we didn't do all the decoration we did just like few decorations and then when they come we they told that we told them like it's your house do it as your your style yeah
0: well, it's good. It's very colorful, very lively in here. It definitely feels like, even though people have only been here for a month or something, they yeah. <laughs> they've been, they only, they like, lived in. It's
1: like, like home. So I can give yeah. like a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the bedrooms all is upstairs. Got it. Yeah, we won't go. So this is one bathroom. Okay. And in the kitchen here. So. Mm. Um, nice, nice. Most of the events honestly happen in here. So yesterday we had like a Hanukkah party, which is like a Jewish event. Kind yes. Of. And You're eat.
0: saying in the kitchen. Most of the events are in the kitchen. Like the food was in the kitchen, yeah. anything
1: like that. But like, like the event was actually outside oh, there. Oh, look
0: at this great patio pantry. that yeah, you yeah. have! Wow! Yeah, very well, cool. Also there. Very cool. Yeah. After Mohammed gave me the grand tour of the house, we sat down to talk a little bit about his life in Yemen and what originally inspired him to get involved with interfaith peace building.
1: I'm originally from Yemen, from Sanaa. Uh, I'm very from a very well-known family in in Yemen. Uh, both my parents and all my siblings are medical doctors. Mm-hmm. I am the only one who was not doctor in the family, and the reason behind that is because I have a disability. Mm. In the right side of my body, I have a disability in my hand and mm. in my leg. Mm-hmm. And um, since I was a kid, you know, I was feeling jealous from other kids because they can play football or can ride bicycle and I couldn't do anything of that mm. and the amazing thing that I had God gave me an amazing parents who taught me that I shouldn't feel jealous I shouldn't feel sad I should know that you know God choose me for something bigger mm. and that you know this disability can help me out to do something more mm. and I was always thinking what can I do more if I have a disability You know, right. it's disadvantage it's not advantage but actually from my disability I was able to learn English actually because I didn't have a lot of uh, friends uh, as a kid. So I was playing most of the time by myself and I was having, uh, watching movies and watch, watching uh, American series, Friends. Mm-hmm. Also that's kind <laughs> of like what inspired also Abrahamic House because I love friends that's and somewhere. I wanted to create something <laughs> similar to that. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so when I was growing up, I was always trying to read more and know more and i always was want to communicate with a lot of people like you know even outside of yemen but when i was 23 years old i met a christian teacher who was teaching in yemen his name luke and luke originally from britain okay and me and him we became kind of like friends Mm -hmm. Um, he was in the same age of my dad and we had this kind of bond me and him because i was able to speak with him about things that i cannot speak with my dad about Mm. like um if I like a girl or something like that, I can mm-hmm. go to him and talk to him about it. Like, what right. should I do? And like, yeah. things like that. So he was an amazing human being. And uh, one time he told me, Mohammed, I'm leaving Yemen soon. And he will go back to his country. So I felt really bad that, you know, I finally created this kind of great friendship. And I don't want him just to leave and uh, he will go to England. I want him to remember me. So, and this is part of the culture in Yemen. Like, you know, when someone is traveling, you need to give him a gift so he will remember you and he will go back to his country. And I start searching, like, you know, what kind of gift I can give it to him. Should I give him a ring or should I give him, like, a perfume or what? And then um, I remember something, which is definitely is not from the Islam. It's not from the faith itself. It's unfortunately from the extreme, extreme ideology, kind of. Mm. Uh, and that you will find it, actually, in most of the faiths when they teach you that our faith is the right one and the other faith is strong. So mm-hmm. one thing I've been taught as a kid is that uh, only Muslims will go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Jews, Christians, Bahais, everyone else who's not a Muslim will go to hell. And for me, Luke is kind of like the best Muslim ever I met, although that he's not a Muslim. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I didn't want him to go to hell, so I mm-hmm. decided that my best gift for him will be converting him to Islam. Okay. So I went to him and I gave him a copy of the Quran, the Holy Book of Muslims in English, and I told him, if you care about our friendship, I want to treat it. Hmm. And he didn't tell me at that time, actually, that he already read the Qur'an. He knows oh. a lot of things about the oh, Qur'an. Wow. Okay. He said to me, sure, but I, will, I want you to do something in return. I want to read my book. So he gave me the Bible. Hmm. And he told me at the same time, you need to read my book as I read your book. Right. And I will never forget the way how he gave me the Bible. He gave it to me with plastic green bags. Because in, in Yemen, really, you can't have Bible in the streets and walking with the Bible. Uh, mm. uh, the freedom of religion is not exist in, in Yemen, unfortunately. So when, when he gave me the Bible, he was afraid about my security and he was afraid about what could happen to me. And I was really afraid. I was walking in the streets It's kind of like I'm doing a crime, mm-hmm. which is not. I'm just having a book, you yeah. know
0: it may be risky for the both of you since you're having speci- this type of for, exchange. for him especially
1: yeah. because they, he can be accused for being a missionary he can be accused for a lot of things so yeah. it's, a, it's a really risky thing so i went back to my home and i remember like i bought the book uh, under my bed and i said i would read it later and then i started reading it and my idea was I'm a, I will not read it because I want to know more about Christianity. I will read it because I want to tell Luke, aha, my book is much better than your book, you know, <laughs> something okay. like that. So um, I went to uh, start reading the book and my thought was like, I had like this kind of like blank uh, paper and I was reading, okay, this phrase, it would be hard for him to answer it. And this phrase is a little bit sketchy. We, in, in Islam, I've been told that the Bible is a holy book. Mm-hmm. and we believe about the Bible, but also we believe that it has been changed. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of things has been changed in the Bible. And I was searching for these kind of things, so they can say, aha, like, you know, look to my book, it's much better than this. And the more that I was reading from the Bible, the more I was fascinating about the stories of the prophets, the same stories that you will find in the Quran. It's like you just can't like, translate it to Arabic and it's viewed there, it's yeah. there. And this was so fascinating for me, actually. Um, so what I did, I uh, sorry. Okay. Um, so what I did, I just um, reached out to Luke and I started asking him questions, and it opened ob- my eyes. It opened my eyes about a lot of things, about like how even to read the Bible and how to know actually to investigate instead yeah. of just being someone who's trying just to find the mistakes on others. Mm-hmm. And that actually helped me a lot. Even even today, when I meet someone or when I hear about something. I don't just jump to conclusion. I always try to learn from myself about yeah. it.
0: It was like a lesson in dialogue, exactly. how to have a dialogue. Exactly. After meeting his Christian friend Luke, Muhammad quickly became involved in interfaith dialogue work through online groups and started traveling internationally to conferences. However, he kept these activities secret for fear of rejection from his family and retaliation by the growing fundamentalist forces in his home country of Yemen. Soon he became a target and had to flee the country, a dramatic story that he tells in his gripping memoir, The Fox Hunt. I won't give away any spoilers here, dear listener, but I encourage you to read the book for yourself. The edge of your seat drama of Muhammad's story involves a quickly dying cell phone battery, international coordination, at the highest levels of diplomacy and a daring boat escape. It's all straight out of an action movie. So much so that Steven Spielberg is actually making a movie about it. For now though, we'll return to my conversation with Muhammad, which picks up with how he decided to found Abrahamic House.
1: When I came to United States, I actually I didn't know how many months I would stay in the United States. I was thinking that I would just do speaking engagements in the United States and then I would go somewhere else, I would travel somewhere else. But the more that I stayed in the United States, the more I became in love with the United States, actually. The fact that you can do interfaith in the United States without being afraid about your life. It's something that people don't understand how much is valuable, like in other countries where you can't do that at, at all. Mm-hmm. Something like a Brahmic house, for example, like you cannot open it in other countries. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can open it in the United States, just like the freedom that you can have, it's an amazing thing. So um, when I actually came to the United States, I decided that, okay, you know what? I want actually to stay in the United States. So I applied for political asylum uh, for this, for staying in the United States. And thank God, like, you know, uh, the process was going going forward. And now I have the green card and I'm permanent resident of the United States, which is- Welcome. Great, thank you. But then, like, you know, uh, the question is, like, you know, as a refugee also, people they do not realize that it's very, very hard to be in the United States also. Like, you can't not work in the beginning. I didn't have something called work authorization. Mm-hmm. So for almost a year, the question is, how can you survive? How can you have food? How can you mm-hmm. um, just do your needs and all these things? I'm lucky because, again, the people who helped me out, um, and it's part of my story the four people who helped me out they didn't just say like oh you know what he is fine now let him deal with whatever he had no they had this kind of like uh, feeling responsibility about me mm-hmm. and they wanted actually to make sure that i would be fine so when i decided that i want to stay i stayed in new york for example with daniel which is uh, one of the four people who helped me out, and he's also a board member of Abrahamic House. For me, I started actually working for an organization called ICRD. Uh, so I worked for them like for a year Okay. in Washington, D.C. Actually, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was here in Washington, D.C. And I worked until when I received the work authorization. I worked with this organization for a year. I was responsible on they do some like work in Yemen and Afghanistan and Pakistan. So I was mm-hmm. responsible on that. But then I just felt like, you know, I really want to do something about interfaith. Uh, but, you know, uh, with the book and with the speaking engagement, I was able kind of to create kind of like a community who actually following my what I'm doing right now. And when I said like, I want to do Abrahamic House, I was fascinated. Like you know, the first person who actually donated for Ibrahimic House as a non-profit is someone from San Francisco. I met him only one time and he just mm-hmm. saw the... That I want to do an organization, he donated for this. So that's how it actually happened in in the first place. Yeah,
0: it seems like it's it's a really uh, community-grown community project, it right? Is. That that I mean, obviously, you're you're a very good connector and somebody that that uh, seems to really enjoy bringing people together and and also um, I don't know, just naturally has a way of presenting things where where people want to get involved, and um, and it seems like. This type of project which is literally about bringing people together is is um really based on that it's more of a bottom-up thing than a top-down yeah and like
1: like like you need to understand that really abrahamic house is not about me creating abrahamic house. It's actually the fellows who live in the abrahamic house these are actually the foundation of abrahamic house Mm -hmm. they are the one who living the experience and um i wish sometimes if i'm not the founder and like just can't come and like uh, even yesterday i came to uh we had like a hanukkah party and i came like i i didn't want to tell people that i'm the founder so when they asked me, how do you know them? It's like, oh, I'm friends with the three of them. Like, you know, so I'm just trying to have fun, like, you know, with yeah. them, all the things.
2: Sorry, I ruined that for you. No, it's
1: okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> shouted to
2: everyone, he's starving <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> okay, <yes.
1: laughs> um, Put a spotlight yeah, on him. But like bit. I told you, like, you know, as friends, kind yeah. of, like, I was really fascinated when I was in Yemen, like, watching, like, Rachel and Monica and Ross <laughs> and, like, everyone living together and things like that. And um, Also, if I remember, sort of an interfaith,
0: Element. I think they had yeah. some Jewish members of that show. Yeah, was, uh, this yeah, Christian
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, I think, I think who, who was, Dross and Monica was Jewish. Dewey mm-hmm. uh, was uh, Catholic, <laughs> I think. Uh, and then uh, Shannon was, I don't know who he was.
0: Probably agnostic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> probably guess. And Phoebe also. Phoebe was kind of like, New Age. type. American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I haven't thought about that show yeah. in a really long time. <laughs> no, I love it. I actually like before I go to sleep. I watch Friends. <laughs> uh, I, Everybody
0: has their muse. Yeah, so. um,
1: yeah. I know all the opposites, and like you know, uh, I just feel like good like to to listen to it before I sleep. And
0: when did you actually start the the nonprofit? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so we started like. Um, two years and a half, uh-huh. and we started the first house in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, it was, uh, we had four people, a Muslim, a Jew, a Christian, a Baha'i, uh-huh. and, you know, it was just like, everyone trusted me on the vision, because nobody did it before, um, and I, I just, ha- like, honestly, I lived the dream through them. Mm. Like, I wish if I can be actually one of the fellows uh, <laughs> in, in some way. So we... Yeah, because had-
0: you were creating the project for... Other young people yes. to live in the house together, exactly. but not necessarily something yeah. for yourself. Yeah, to, yeah. So, so what what was the 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 start of of that idea? I mean, it it, like why it was did I think about well. I mean, it. it was two and a half years ago that you, or two years ago now that you've had the the okay. first house. But when was um, when did the idea start, and and how long did it take for you to get oh, it up so and running? So when
1: when I came to United States, I start. Um, The visa when I came to the United States was called B1, B2 visa. Okay. So I was invited by different organizations, different universities. And one of the organizations who invited me called Moshe House. And it's a Jewish organization. Mm -hmm. They have this similar concept where they have houses around the United States and it's for the Jewish community. So they choose four to six people live together Mm -hmm. and they do like Shabbat dinners and they do Jewish events. I was the first Muhammad ever to speak at one of Moshe houses actually, in washington <laughs> d c uh-huh. and I love the idea. This was five years ago, okay, and the idea just stuck in my mind like like this is an amazing idea yeah. What if I do something similar to this, but instead of being for one faith, it to be for different faiths mm. and not only be for Jewish or Muslim or something like that but uh, you know life is was busy for me, so I start writing my book and the movie and speaking engagements and all these things uh, and then i started feeling like okay i really want to do the abrahamic house Uh so i went to a couple of friends who i consider them as like my family i don't have family here in the united states right most of my like most of my family actually lives still in yemen yeah but i went to some of my friends and i asked them like i want to do this and they helped me immediately one of them uh he told me you need to be in touch with moshe house the jewish organization that Uh you know to uh, use it as
0: a model, you mean?
1: To use it as a model and also to have advice from him. Okay. Uh, so I uh, contacted the founder of Moshe House, his name, David Sigelman, who is okay. also in our board of, the, of, of Abrahamic House now. But when I contacted him, I was totally stranger. He didn't know anything about me. <laughs> and I contacted him, I told him, like, you know, I want to open something similar to Moshe House, but for different faiths. And he was super nice. He said to me, do you want to visit me in Charlotte? and i said sure so he literally i was his guest for three days in Mm -hmm. his house okay and this was the first time ever he met me i met his family i met his wife his kid his his daughter
0: in charlotte north carolina in charlotte Uh north carolina
1: Uh and i started telling him about that like who am i and what i'm trying to and it's amazing like you know he opened like you know his support totally support to me and he said like i want to help you out to make it happen so he helped me out kind of like to know what are the steps because I didn't know even how to open a nonprofit in the United States. Right, right. So he started giving me this guidance and he opened all the resources from Moshe House to me. Wow. So I was able to see all the documentations, how they actually established Moshe House, how it started.
0: Right. Because um, it's, it's not just a nonprofit that has activities out in the community, yeah. but you're responsible for people living in the house exactly. and, every, and taking on responsibility for what happens in that place.
1: Yeah, and yeah. like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, um, you will see that the community actually, it's the one who actually created Abrahamic Abraham account, it's not me. So, for example, when you need to create a nonprofit, you need to register, you need to have all this kind of documentation and <laughs> right, all right. the requirements. Uh, a friend of mine, he's a lawyer, his name is Mark, Mark Donig, and uh, I told him about the idea and he told me, you know what, I would connect it to a law firm maybe they want to help you for free. And they did. Uh, uh Raymond Law, they call, they're actually based in Seattle. Okay. And they heard about me and they heard about, like, my work, and they said, okay, we want to help you out, pro bono, with no payment at all. Wow. So Great. they did all kind of the registration for me and all the process. It takes a while, you know, to have the non-profit sure. status. And
0: you weren't under another organization. No.
1: Mm-hmm. no. I wanted to do it, Abrahamic Houses and Abrahamic Houses. And in the beginning, it was actually, uh, Muslim, the idea was Muslim, a uh, Christian, and Jew, mm-hmm. three faiths only. Uh, and at that time, I didn't, I wasn't investigating more about the Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about the Baha'i faith back in Yemen. Right. I didn't know more about the Baha'i faith. Right. So uh, when I was in Miami, I started reading more about the Baha'i faith. And the more that I'm reading about Bahá'u'lláh and Abdul baha the more that I'm feeling like you know, that's exactly what actually Abrahamic House is all call about. It's about how we can unite people together and how we can know about each other. Um, so we, I, uh, we added the Baha'i faith to the Abrahamic House mm-hmm. and this was an amazing add-in to, to us. So, but,
0: so for people who, who don't know about Abrahamic House, can you just give like the, the short pitch, like what is the, what is the goal of, of it? And then we'll bring in our friends to, to share about your experience so far.
1: Imagine like this, imagine if you have a place that has people from different backgrounds, different faiths lives together who actually like, we are not looking for Imams or Rabbis and people who are very religious to be part of the house. We're actually asking people to be who they are exactly to come to the house. They are not representing their face, they're representing their, their, their own, their personality, who they are exactly. Mm-hmm. And while they are in the house, we speak about this kind of like stereotyping that we've been taught about each other. We talk about the issues that we have in our community and how we can help each other. Because next time, when you find that ISIS will do kind of like attack, uh, you will not find like people who's accusing Muslims. You will find actually a community within Abrahamic House who are actually supporting Muslims, mm-hmm. um, who understand that actually ISIS is not part of Islam, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole goal from Abrahamic House is really come as like um, how we can realize that even if we are from different backgrounds, even if we are from different religion, indeed we are seeking for the same thing mm. uh, so that's the whole experience from Abrahamic house it says actually in the Quran and says uh, in the Talmud um, who saves a life saves the whole world mm-hmm. and our perspective in Abrahamic has, who change a life change the whole world right so mm-hmm. if we can't change someone's perspective from hate and ignorance to love and compassion that's the whole goal from Abrahamic house right. yeah. yeah.
0: So can I ask you both to introduce yourselves and um, and just tell me where where you're from originally and um, uh, how long you've been in DC?
3: Um, yeah, so I'm Kelly Moulton. I'm the Christian fellow here at the Abrahamic House, um, and I am from New York originally. Um, so I'm excited to to be here at Abrahamic House um, and see. You know, I, I was raised as a um, Christian, really to. Um, really getting to know the ins and outs of, of my own faith, and but with friends from other religious traditions. Uh-huh. But I never really had much of an opportunity to really dig into those other religious traditions other than some experiences that showed me that we all care about creation, all the different right. um, traditions. So through Abrahamic House, I feel like I'm able to get to know um, you know, more in depth the, the similarities you know, between the different traditions and how can we all come together.
0: Cool. And how long have you been here in D.C.?
3: Uh, since September. About, oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So Two you're months. brand new. Brand mm-hmm. new. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Very cool.
2: I'm Abby Shulman. I'm from Los Angeles, California, where Mohammed lives now, almost. Uh, I'm the Jewish fellow at Abrahamic House, and I just moved to D.C. I got here last month. So I'm real
0: fresh. That's so cool. I didn't realize that that you all um that, that was kind of part of it also was that this is a new experience for the people. And then so the third musketeer who we're missing, uh, maybe you can shout him out since Hey Kema.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Heima yeah, he's our Muslim fellow.
0: Great, 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 okay. wonderful. And he
2: he's from Virginia. Um, And he he's kind of been in and out of D.C. for a while, but he's also pretty fresh to D.C. He's been most of his he's super international though. He's from Virginia, but he's lived all over the world for different periods of time. So he's he's a man of the world. Knows multiple languages too. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Uh, How did you hear about Abraham House, and what was the thing that encouraged you to to want to be a part of it?
3: A friend of mine um, told me about it. She saw a posting of it um, online and. Um, she knew I was looking for, you know, in a faith-based intentional community, um, you know, to to look into. So that was
0: something that be, you were seeking out already. Yeah, yeah, wow, I was cool. part
3: of a similar one in New York, um, uh-huh. and I felt like it was uh, it was about time to to try a new experience. So
0: you made the move to D.C. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And how about you, Abby?
2: Uh, I got a job in D.C. I was looking on all of the different housing pages for whatever I could get, considering living with. Lots of different groups of people with 60-year-old women, with whoever it was. And on D.C. Jew Crew Facebook page, this was advertised. <laughs> and like a week and a half later, I was cool. in.
0: Wow, wow, that's great, yeah. that's great. So that, so, so, uh, you had the sort of opposite experience, and then you had already intended to be here in D.C. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And exactly.
0: Where's, what is the job that you got, were moving here for?
2: I work for a healthcare startup uh-huh. um, that we provide healthcare services to Medicaid enrollees.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. And what about you, Kelly? What do you do during the day?
2: I also work for public
3: health, um, but I'm working, uh, well, remotely for a group in New York. Uh, and I also am starting a new organization, um, Interfaith Public Health Network. Great.
1: Amazing idea, Very, cool. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, so the the part of the fellowship is really the experience of living here together. It's not that you have um, uh, like a, a joint uh, employment project that you're also doing, right? It's really this is about sort of what you do in your off time and and um, uh, more of the social aspects. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But like you know, when when we created the Abrahamic House. Uh, the first year, like you know, we realized that um, Abrahamic House itself—it's the experience—not only for the fellows, also it's also for the community itself. Mm. The people who comes also in into the events in the Abrahamic House—they became part of kind of like the fellowship. Also, they became part of. They want to be engaged more and things like that. Like since now, we have been doing like four events, I would say, uh, yeah, for Abrahamic House. Events. Uh, and since since I came to the events in person events, I, I seen the same person people like, you know, who came before mm. they came also to the events and you feel like good, actually that means that you know Abrahamic house starts building this kind of like community that we're trying to build in into mm-hmm. the Abrahamic house. And the real only reason why we're doing this is because of them. They're the one who's making it They're happen. Yeah. We just didn't do anything. We just like choose a house and like you know tell them, Okay, you will live in this house. They are the one who is making the real work. Like, you know, they are the one who are kind of like strangers. They didn't know anything about each other. It's an amazing to see how they live together, how they can coordinate, how they can communicate with each other. And it's also amazing to see what will happen by the end of the fellowship, mm-hmm. you know, What would change and things like that. For example, like in uh, the fellowship in Los Angeles, we had four people, Muslim, Jew, Christian, Baha'i. They became now best friends and like, you know, they communicate to each other all the time and things like that. That's like, yeah.
0: Very cool. So what are some of the projects that you all have, have done so far?
3: Well, I did one um, around Thanksgiving on decolonization. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing in more of a Native American and indigenous perspective um, on, on foodways and, and decolonizing food ways and um, the similarities you know that I find at least between um, Native American spirituality and um, Christian Franciscan spirituality. Mm. Um, just really just showing the beauty of that Thanksgiving address that they have. Um and how it's so similar to other um, religious traditions worship of creation in the Creator yeah um, so that was one event that I did great and, and
1: for me especially was it like an, an emotional event and it was amazing event because I heard from the native people who themselves speaks about their own perspective about Thanksgiving you don't hear that all the time mm-hmm. and we had like was it three or four people like from native was actually three native that's an amazing thing like you know for us and um it's actually opened my eyes also about thanksgiving and all these things it's amazing it mm-hmm.
2: was really it was a really good event kelly mm-hmm. very Thanks. informed yeah.
0: so this is a it was like a small group uh dinner for actually on thanksgiving
3: we did it a hybrid event mm-hmm. um so we did um we had some people here in person but most of our speakers were virtual mm-hmm. um and then we had some participants that were also virtual. Mm-hmm. And then after the hybrid event, um, those of us that were here in person
2: had a meal together.
0: Mm, great. Mm-hmm. great. And there was also a, a Hanukkah celebration that yeah. we heard about last night. So how did that come together?
2: Yeah, I, I've done two events so far. I did one Shabbat dinner, um, which was mostly just a good and silly time. And then one Hanukkah party last night. Uh-huh. And had lots of people come over and sit by a nice heat lamp and eat donuts. Very, very casual. And, and this
1: was also like, you know, like I need to um, say that when we did Abrahamic House in Los Angeles, we didn't do one event in person. Because as soon as the fellows moved to the house in Los Angeles, COVID-19 hit. Right. So we did all the events actually online. Right. On Zoom and virtual.
0: You had a whole year of programming that happened online. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And this year, we were able finally to do kind of like in-person events. So. I came to Shabbat, the Shabbat she did Abby, and it was amazing experience. Can you imagine how many Jews was actually in the event and how many people who are actually not Jews in the event? Mm-hmm. That was for me the core of Abrahamic house when you how did
0: it break down? like what,
1: um, was, we what had would you say three Jews, three total Jews. and
2: like 10, 10 people or 12 from other backgrounds
1: oranges. wow, okay, great. and it's an amazing thing like you know mm-hmm. like uh, that's the whole kind of like concept to see like kind of like uh, the whole world kind of like in one room, mm-hmm. uh, in a certain way.
0: And how how are you all putting the events out there? Are are you do you have friends in the area that you're inviting, or are you inviting people from other other groups? How do people find out about it?
3: Yeah, I've been sharing with networks I know um, in the DC area, a lot of Catholic groups, but you know some different mix of um, groups from different traditions and um, working on different um, social. Social justice issues, and um, you know, just trying to build up our network here for Abraham McCall.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that something that you had experience with um, beforehand?
3: Um, I've been involved, uh, I was involved with the Franciscan Action Network for a period of time. Oh, terrific. For a couple of years. Great. So, yeah, I, I have some networks of,
2: of people doing um, faith based work here in DC. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Cool. Well, that's great to be able to tap into that. And
2: I've taken a little bit of a different route. Every time I get invited to a party, I go and I make people promise to come to my event <laughs> the next day. <laughs>
0: a little arm twisting. So,
2: so I feel like Kelly's doing like the you know the clear well, like nice kind of through network way, and I'm doing the underground way, and we're we're getting <laughs> we're too. getting our pool. Yeah,
0: that's great. Mm-hmm. That you're having some some good response to to it already, mm-hmm. and that's you know I think it. It can't be um, understated you know like how how the uh the fact that this is the, in the second year, but this is the first time that you all are actually the, having um, in person in-person events right you yeah. went a whole year with with uh it just being online programming because the original house that was in Los Angeles started
1: when when did it uh last year I was saying in uh um mistake in February.
0: In February of yeah. twenty twenty. In twenty twenty. So basically the entirety of their time together was was during the pandemic. Yeah. And and that obviously wasn't foreseen. <laughs> yeah. No. But you didn't shut it down also. You did you you Again, persevered like through It's
1: it. it's not us, it's really the fellows. Like, you know, the four mm-hmm. fellows who stayed in the house in Los Angeles and I I love them uh, so much because like when they moved to the house they had Mm COVID-19 they had all the situation happening with uh, nobody knows what's happening COVID-19 the way how they managed to do the events the way how they decided that no we will not move because at that time if I had a family in the United States I would go to live with my family honestly but they decided that like no we don't want to go back to our families we actually want to stay in the house Mm. and we still want to do the events and they did it in an amazing amazing way really like, you know, part of like uh, having a Abrahamic House, it's from selfish reason for me. It's inspiring me to see them and see like what kind of events they can do. Like uh, you feel like the world is getting better and better.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, how about for the two of you? I mean, we've all been through this COVID experience and, and you signed up for this program, not necessarily knowing that we were in the clear. It was, you know, during the summer when, when things were definitely looking better. But I'm curious for, for each of you, what would have been some of the things that you were hoping to take into this experience given, given the last year or so?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, there was just, I, like I said, I think it was a transition time for me in terms of the house that I was living in, um, in the Bronx in New York. Um, and I just felt this was like a new fresh opportunity to, to live with other people and, and do some like really interesting events Um, And I do feel more comfortable, you know, given that there are vaccines now this Mm -hmm. year, you know, Mm -hmm. it's more comfortable having in-person events and that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, I I mean, yeah, there's definitely still caution um, in terms of, um, you know, wearing masks or with these new variants coming up and having to be careful about that and getting boosters, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that we're, you know, humans are meant to be together and there's been so much social isolation during Mm. the pandemic and we can counter some of that by living together in a house and, um, you know, doing events together and having meals together and socializing.
0: Was it a worry for you coming into this group environment, um, given the public health concerns?
3: Not really, because I think we all decided as a house, like we're just going to have our precautions you know we're gonna make sure you know have people make sure they're vaccinated before they come or mm-hmm. people don't feel comfortable you know um, coming they can participate virtually you know mm-hmm. in some of our events or they can wear a mask inside the house so um, we're
2: just trying to be careful you know
0: yeah right Abby what about for you
2: yeah I would say last year was a pretty good crash course in all of this um, I, I moved to a small suburb north of Dallas kind of a suburban rural town where I didn't know anyone and lived with three men from Craigslist and worked as an epidemiologist for like a local county health department. Mm. So it was very public health strangers group living right. during a pandemic kind of all at once. So I think it was like I said a very good crash course in learning how to navigate all of those things. So this is easy. Oh. <laughs> this this is very easy and I and I think that we've all learned how to be flexible and when things get better, you celebrate and when things get worse, you buckle down and we've been through it before, so we'll be okay.
0: All right. So I definitely want to know what's been something that you've appreciated about living together and, and what's been a point of tension that's come <laughs> up. <laughs> Stirred the pleasure. pot. <laughs> Good what do you think?
3: Uh, no, I appreciate, um, just being able to share meals together and you know just we, sh- we share in each other when we're doing that meal preparation and clean up and it's just a really nice balance um that's something that i i like about i like about the house and i think new, we have a good balance here
0: new good recipes that have been brought to your attention
3: oh abby made this great matzo ball soup last week Ooh, okay. and she made great butternut squash soup like so <laughs> many good things
0: very cool mm-hmm. um what about for you abby what's something that you've appreciated
2: uh Kelly is incredibly generous. She'll just buy lots of delicious organic food that she keeps in perfect jars and oh then God. lets you use as much as you need. Uh,
0: so there's no, hey, who ate my thing Not the at refrigerator. all, not at all. She's incredibly
2: <laughs> generous, and she makes, like, lovely organic grain bowls that she lets me eat. And Hema is very, very silly and will also do very last-minute things that I need get done and not even complain about it and that is so so appreciated and he, he puts up with both of us so I think that goes, <laughs> goes a long way um yeah that's that's what I appreciate I'm trying to think of points of contention if we've had any any points of contention it's a very I don't know if you've seen it yet it's a very small kitchen so there's a lot of, there's Pumping a lo- lot of elbowing out. <laughs> there's, there's blaming of the kitchen space itself rather than the people in the kitchen, like yeah. That's, that. yeah, That's good, that's yeah. good. Yeah. We yeah. also have slightly different styles of operating. Like I know that Kelly gave us all options for like exactly what types of ties we wanted on the curtains, whereas I just bought a fire pit and decided we were going to use it on the wooden balcony without consulting anyone. <laughs> so I think we're trying to meet in the middle on those
0: fronts <laughs> as as a married person i can say that that's yeah. a part of the whole thing <laughs> <Yeah>. as well <laughs> yeah, so
1: you gotta have to
0: learn where your boundaries are and where where the yeah. points of compromise
1: are yeah. No, I, and it's interesting like even the first fellowship mm-hmm. kitchen was also centered like you know oh was, sure uh, i think food always kind of like gathering people together and yeah. like uh, you know more about the people from the way how they eat and the way how they want to To social in the kitchen in some way
0: yeah yeah you can you can create a a wonderful meal that brings everybody together but somebody's got to do the dishes afterwards Yeah, and
1: and, and that's actually a question i want to ask you because i i don't know like how do you clean actually the dishes
2: everyone has been i don't know i hope i'm not wrong everyone has really been working (laughs) together it's been really wonderful where I think everyone does a sprint after there's an event and then we peter out and get tired and sometimes they'll come in the next morning and half of it is done and I don't know who did it and it's it's lovely it's like little gnomes wow. just you know I I, I I
1: never had roommates before in my life except one time in Miami I had my best friend named Mohammed. also. He lived to meet with me for uh-huh. six months. Okay. And after that, we hated each other so much. So like, <laughs> that could like, happen I too. cannot imagine like how people can live together. And it's just amazing to see like, like these three people, like they're not even, they didn't meet each other before. They met each other here in the house.
0: Day one when you moved in was the first time that you'd met.
2: I had a very brief Zoom meeting with you yeah. for about, yeah.
3: Minutes
1: before wow. I had
2: a brief Zoom meeting with Hema,
1: no. uh-huh. but like in person, I think they met the first time here in the house, and it's just amazing, like you know, how they can how can you develop like your personality and like you know your relationship with the other person. Um, in the Abrahamic house, we say gathering, not othering, and gathering, not othering, and mm-hmm. honestly, these people are doing it like, mm. an amazing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I get the sense that that you all are um, at least a couple years younger than me, Um, I'm staring down the barrel at 40, um, but you guys are probably at least a decade or so younger than that. For people in that millennial generation like I was, um, that really 9-11 was like that formative experience for so many people that were stepping out into the world. Um, But, you know, during these last couple of years, um, I mean, certainly the pandemic is going to be a big formative experience. But I think even if we look more broadly at sort of the the moment that we're in, um, you know, even if you look at the last the last week of news, you know, you have the 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 verdicts on the uh, Charlottesville uh, Unite the Right rally and and you have this um, what looks like Roe v Wade is is perhaps going to be overturned very soon and religion is so at the center of actually both of these major stories just in the past week um, that it's it's interesting to me that during this time when if you look at polls less and less young people are coming up with are coming up with a a strong identification with a religion, right? That they may identify as spiritual but not religious if they came up in any sort of religious tradition at all. Um, And yet at the same time, um, religious literacy is so incredibly important to be able to navigate all of these things because it's actually at the center of so many of these issues that we're facing. So I'm curious for for the both of you, how you see um, in your peer groups and the people that you know you know, how do they engage with religion and how do they see religion in, in some of these news items?
2: That's a big question. <laughs> Why don't you go first, Kelly? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are committed to interfaith work. I mean, being up in New York, and you know, I have friends that went to Union Theological Seminary, mm. and, um, you know, I, I also know a lot of people who are very committed, specifically within, you know, Christian or Catholic traditions. Um, and, you know, The more I see it and I think about Abrahamic House and what we're doing, I just feel like the interfaith dialogue space is a way for finding bipartisan solutions. I mean, not that we're talking about politics necessarily, but I think it's a way for people to say like, well, this is what my faith teaches. This is what our faiths teach. And regardless of what, you know, the the politics are saying, you know, it's very, everything's very split left and right, and yeah, people, people are leaning on their religious beliefs, but they're not, because we live in such a secular society, they're not looking deeply at those religious beliefs and saying, well, why do you believe that? And can we talk about it, Mm. right? And I think the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can come up with solutions that you know, more people will be happy with rather than they're just continuing to be this divide, which Mm -hmm. is really hurting our country. Mm. One
2: thing that uh, we learned when there was like a really interesting Muslim statistic organization that spoke to us. The stats that they showed, like gave a very clear visual of it that Jews, like people who identify as Jews in the country are really old. And people who identify as Muslims in the country are actually very young. So I thought that was really hmm. interesting that there's a huge like demographic split between these different traditions. And I think it probably shows in the politics that we identify with and the way we think about issues in the U.S., and I guess that's like a space that I have found myself in, and there are a lot of emerging organizations that are trying to fill that space, but what does it mean?
0: Fill the space of of, of traditional institutions, religious institutions?
2: I guess I'm I'm trying to get at it. I'm, I'm taking a circuitous route, but what it means to be young and to be Jewish and to want to do things in the way that our parents and grandparents and sometimes even great grandparents did that. And to also at all think about politics in like a young person identifying way. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's, that's really difficult to to occupy kind of all of those identities at the same time. And like you said, age and generations has so much to do with the way you think about politics and social issues, but also the way you practice your religion for better and for worse. And sometimes you kind of have to make it up as you go and make your own rules because Mm -hmm. there's not always going to be a perfect shul or acronymed organization or community that hits all the spots that you want. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you just have to do it your own way
0: does seem like the tagline for the current generation is making it up as we go
2: along. a little bit a little bit y'all didn't give us any any footprints to follow so
1: <laughs> and in in abrahamic house it's, uh, what we're trying to do is like let people know the information from themselves mm. not by people teaching them or something like that we want them to come here and like have open minded about what they learn here mm-hmm. and when they go back to their home when they go back to their own like families they do their own search also about it um when we did like you know the thanksgiving event for me it was fascinating because after the event i started actually reading more about thanksgiving because as a refugee i didn't know a lot of information about thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and that kind of like gave me the tool actually kind of like to do more more search on it but one thing that ibrahimik has trying to do is we are actually not targeting like you know religious leaders to come to be part of the fellowship we're targeting people like me and like you to be part of the fellowship. And that's what the problem I think now you're talking about because like someone says like, I know more about Jesus more than you because I'm reading the Bible. So you need to trust me when I say, for example, something against abortion, for example, and people a lot believe in that. But what if you yourself kind of like say, I actually can read, I actually can know more and I can think about it. The people who tell you like, you know, God say so, they also have mind the same thing as we have mind. So we can think exactly the same way how they think. And we can actually have our own conclusion. Mm. Abrahamic House trying to help kind of like uh, develop these kind of conclusions by yourselves. And like when you come to the house, like, you know, creating your own society, not necessarily just from the people that you've been taught that you need to be friends with. And don't be enemy with the people who you've th- been taught that you need to be enemy with. Be friends with everyone, be like kind, of like open-minded about everything, and then you, you draw your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I, so I I guess I'm I'm wondering for for the two of you how you've been able to do that um, uh, without you know staying in sort of a safe bubble. You know, you're 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 kind of out of your comfort zone in that you're both in a new city. So that, I think, is, is one way of, of, interestingly, forcing you to, to go out and make friends and contacts and everything. But um, how, how, do you, how do you feel like each of you have, have approached um, actually pushing to move beyond maybe the obvious folks who would already be on board with interfaith stuff to invite them into this space, right? Because it's such an incredible educational opportunity um, to be part of this project.
3: Well, I've gone into you know, some different Catholic and, and Christian spaces and inviting people in because I, I know that they, I, the context that I know them in is within the, those Christian circles. I don't necessarily see those particular people within interfaith spaces, so I'm trying to invite some of those people in you know, mm-hmm. to, to look at a broader perspective of different faith traditions.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the receptivity that you found?
3: I think at least you know some of the people that have been participating are really receptive. You know, they they like learning more about the other traditions and um,
1: they came to like those yeah, events. we've had
3: the- we've had um, different people come to you know different events and everything, and you know, starting to get to know each other. And you know, it's yeah, like you know, Mohammed said it's developing a community here.
0: Yeah, do you think it makes a difference that they already know that? Oh well, there's there's this one Catholic that's already involved with it. Does that does that have sway with them? Do you think?
3: Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, some of the people that have participated, um, I know them from, you know, different contexts. So they already know mm. not come. But then somebody came, you know, I went to a Catholic worker and, you know, some people came here that I hadn't met before, but they were excited to participate. So
0: Yeah. And within the Catholic community, obviously, there's there's a, a broad range of, of thought and, and um, you know, uh, levels of social action or what are the things that are, um, uh, important issues for different Catholic groups to get involved with. So, do you find that you're um, keen on, on focusing on, on certain types of groups? Or are you really, if it says Catholic, you're, you're going out there and reaching out to them?
3: I mean, I want to invite everyone into these dialogues. So, um, yeah, I mean, most of the people, the circles that I know are, are Catholics that are already doing social justice work. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone to come. Um, you know, we, we want everyone to participate in... And get to know what what the other traditions are one event i'm holding in a in a couple weeks is looking at um the role of jesus within islam because that's mm. i didn't grow up learning much about that jesus had a major role within islam but i interested to learn more about it you know as a christian so um, you know just trying to build more of that learning
0: what about for you abby how are you you don't seem like a very shy person so <laughs> it seems like you don't have a problem going out and making friends and and such but how how are you um, pushing yourself to to reach out to folks that maybe are outside of just your own comfort zone.
2: Yeah, I would say that um, <clears throat> my first impression is that people are way more interested in this stuff than I thought. Like, I've, I've been in some Jewish spaces where I think everyone there only has Jewish friends at this point. And when I tell them about where I live and what we're doing, they're all so stoked. Like, everyone has been <laughs> really, really excited. And I've had a couple of people come up to me kind of privately in a in a low key way and be like, so I want non-Jewish friends. Mm. Can you show me those people? <laughs> They're like, yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the whole shtick. So I think that there is definitely a market for it. And I would also say that last year, like I said before, Living in a North Texas suburb um, with three men from Craigslist was a very good crash course in, <laughs> in speaking Difference. with people who were pretty different from me because <laughs> we uh, we did not always align on on a lot of things and uh-huh. <laughs> they did not have a lot of exposure to the world I came from and I did not have any exposure to the world they came from so I think that was maybe my first true interfaith wow, experience yeah.
0: kind of in a deep way Wow that's cool no I think that that, that g- the geographic difference can be an interesting one as well and DC makes makes um, for fertile ground for that because obviously you've got people here from from all over, all, all over yeah all over the world all over the country that have come here because of the political machine and, and all the you know
1: attached apparatus <laughs> that goes with that
0: that um, different people are coming for, for different reasons. And
1: D- D.C. is one of the most beautiful cities. Like the, the trees color change by the seasons, and it's amazing. And uh, You can find, if you were just walk in the street, you'll find people from all over the world just in the street. Even Yemeni community, you'll mm. find a Yemeni restaurant in Washington, D.C., which yeah. is an amazing thing, yeah. Is it good? Yeah. It's nice. That's uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's really, really <laughs> good. It's perfect. It's nice. <laughs> No, it's perfect.
0: It's good. Uh, <laughs> we saw a slip there for yeah. a second. Oh, <laughs> Less no, than 100% enthusiasm for <laughs> Muhammad. <laughs> Not as
1: good as yeah, itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, my mom uh, is the best cooker ever. <laughs> so. For yesterday, did you cook all the food or like you...
2: <laughs> <laughs> the big reveal. Yeah, I cooked
1: it. Even the donuts? No. Oh. I did not cook the donuts. That's <laughs> sufkaniyot you copy, skills. You, you <laughs> no, I did, not, I did not cook the
2: donuts. Mohammed, right. do
1: you cook? I'm a bad cooker. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to cook. I burn myself actually while I'm cooking.
2: Yeah, I do too.
1: That's okay. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm the worst. I love to eat. I love That's to eat. That's something like I can tell. So like cooking is just like, uh, it needs a lot of skills. And I think sometimes with my disability, it's a little bit hard, like to cut yeah. the mm-hmm. potatoes, the tomato and all these things. And uh, I'm trying just to, to get used to it. It will it take time.
2: You should come over and just tell us what to do.
1: No, over I, would, I want to cook with you voice. guys. No, I would like. I would love. Like, maybe we can do like a Yemeni. Yeah. Like, day that would be. That's really an idea yeah, for an event. I would it. love to do I this. I really
3: do think food brings people together. Yeah. You know. I think and you it's... know what?
1: We can do Yemeni food, and even if it's bad or good, it's actually the experience itself. Do you would... have
2: Do you have a good shuuk recipe?
1: Yeah, I do. Of course. Okay. It's an easy thing. That's something <laughs> that I can. It's easy and I it can, goes on everything. everything. So. Yes,
2: okay. We'll start with that.
1: And you are more than welcome to join
0: us. Thank you. I, I also enjoy eating, so that works out. <laughs> well, uh, that's perfect. <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you for, for Thank uh, you so being much, generous you with your time. And yeah, and, um, yeah, and I, I'm i looking forward to hearing about all the, the events. What's the next one that's that's coming up? What's on the docket? No, we, it's the
2: it's Hema's, Kurdish Flag Day.
0: Kurdish <laughs> Flag Day. Okay, well, wow, yeah. nice. Great. We'll
1: have a kind of Kurdish party you need
0: to come. Okay, I bet there's good food at that one, too. Yeah, I think Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah.
2: He, I asked Hema how did Kurds party and he said, I don't know yet, we'll find out
0: together.
2: <laughs> I want all of our events to be parties, but I know that not all of them are supposed to be parties. So, A couple of them are not supposed to be non-parties. <laughs> yes,
1: but let's do parties.
0: If people go home together, then you know, that's a part of interfaith, a cooperation too.
2: <laughs> One version of it. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right, great. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Dear listener, that's a wrap on this week's Interfaith-ish. I want to again thank my guests, Muhammad Al-Samawi, founder of Abrahamic House, and two of the current House fellows, Kelly Molson and Abby Shulman. Find out more about their program at abrahamichouse.org and on social media. And if you're in the D.C. area, I'm sure they'd love if you attended one of their upcoming programs. As always, I want to give a shout out to my fellow Interfaith astronauts, Miranda Hovemeyer and Sue miller who actually was the one who lent me the fox hunt so thanks so much for letting me know about muhammad's story and of course thanks to our musical maestro jeff philosopher and thank you dear listener for spending your hour with us if you're listening to this over at tacoma radio you can also find our archives of past shows or check us out on your podcast aggregator of choice we're coming up on a hundred episodes and all of them are available in our podcast feed we're on social media at Interfaith-ish, and you can keep writing us about the Interfaith-ish you wish to dish at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Interfaith-ish will be back in two weeks. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org.